Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, welcome Pathway family, Goddard Valley Center. Those of you who are watching online to this final week of our series, Chasing Purpose. And this has been such a great series. And one of the things I have loved the most that we've done together is really these I will statements. And man, it's just been so exciting as a church family, as we have put our I will statements into action. I just want to share with you some of the cards that have been uh, put up on the wall. This is this one. This one says, I texted two people and asked them how I could pray for them. I learned that these two individuals who spend their time and energy caring for others need encouragement and prayer as well. They were so grateful that I asked for their prayers. And then this one, I was able to share the weekly message with a friend who doesn't know Jesus and had a very meaningful conversation. This one, I invited my sister-in-law, who is dealing with many battles in her life, to join me at our weekend service. I did get a chance as well to listen to her story, uh, the challenges she's facing, and to pray for her. I plan on continuing to help lead her on the path to Jesus. And, and then finally this one, I want to make sure and share this one. Kim invited me here. She reached out to me, and I am forever grateful. I now have a new family to grow with and to pray with, all thanks to Kim. God knew I needed her and this church in my life. Today's service spoke to me. And to me, that was just awesome. And it was so cool. And to the backstory to that note is, Kim's I will statement the very first week was to invite that lady to come to church with her who wrote the note. You see, that's what happens when we do simple acts of obedience that propel us, very tangibly propel us to live out God's purpose in our lives. Life flows into us and life flows out of us into the world. And to me, it's incredible. Now, our goal throughout our Chasing Purpose series has really been to answer the most basic human question. And that is, why am I here? And so we've been discovering week by week that our lives 
have a purpose. And when we discover that purpose, our lives are totally different. You know, it's interesting, C.S. Lewis, who's probably one of the greatest theologians and Christ-following writers of the last century, actually started out as an atheist. And one of the things that changed his heart towards Jesus is what he calls uh, the argument from desire. And the argument from desire is really one of the strongest arguments for the existence of God. And the argument uh, goes like this. For every desire you have as a human being, there is a corresponding answer. For example, if you're hungry and desire nourishment, there's food. If you're tired and you desire rest, there's sleep. And if you're lonely and you desire companionship, there's people. And Lewis came to the realization that human beings need purpose. They need a reason for existence. And the only person that can give that answer is God. And, and so Lewis became a Christ follower. Lewis went on to discover then how, how this principle of desire really influences our lives in so many different kinds of ways that we don't even realize. For instance, what happens when you use the wrong answer for one of your desires. You are hungry and you need nourishment, but you go to sleep. Or you're lonely and you desire companionship, but you eat. You see, when you use the wrong answer for the most important desires, it only leads to frustration. And the same is true for our soul. Your soul desires God, but if you use earthly things to meet that desire, it only ends us in dissatisfaction. That's what we feel so many times. So all this month, we've been unpacking the purpose for which God has created us how, and how we can embrace that purpose. And as we embrace that purpose, we experience true fulfillment that our souls are really longing for. Now, the first week we talked about that it's God's purpose it's not our own purpose that we are living for. Then, then the second week we talked about that we are created uh, to be loved by God and, and to be a part of his family. Then last week, Pastor Elliot talked about that we are created by God to be a part of his mission. We have a role here to be able to play on God's mission here on this earth. And then this week we're going to be laying out the final purpose for which God has created us. And the final purpose is really found, once again, kind of in a little bit of this theme verse that we've looked, up at, looked at in Romans chapter 8. Look what it says there, Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So there it is. That's your third purpose in life. Your third purpose in life is to become like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, what's that kind of mean? What's that look like? What, what, what does it look like? Well, what it looks like is that we take on the characteristic of God's family, like father, like son. And, and the scriptures we know say that God is loving, he's joyful, he's patient, he's kind. Uh, these are all called the fruits of the Spirit. We know that, that Jesus is really the perfect picture of this. And if you're going to become like Jesus, you're going to be filled with those characteristics. You're going to exhibit then those fruits of the Spirit. You see, every human being is created with this desire to grow, to be challenged, 
to see their lives going somewhere. The world might tell us to kind of grow in a certain kind of way, but God says that he has a greater purpose for us and and a more fulfilling purpose for us. And that purpose is for you and I to be molded into the image of his son, Jesus. And as we pursue that purpose, it quenches the deepest desires of our souls and we discover who we really are and we discover who that we are really meant to be. Now, it's interesting, five times in Scripture, it compares becoming like Jesus to running a race. It's the race of life. And it's not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. And we're all running that race right now. So what I want to do today is I want to take you to one of those passages of Scripture and really draw out some principles of how that we are to become more like Jesus as, as we run this race of life. And the passage of scripture that I want to take you to today is in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Listen to what it says there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So the first principle here that the Hebrew writer gives us to be more like Jesus is to become more like Jesus by, let me say this, running naked. Now, I said that, you know, you know me, I I said to get your attention, but back in the first century, when a runner came to the Olympic Games, they would have this kind of long flowing robe on. And at the last minute, right before the race began, what they would do is they would take that robe off and then they would run the race naked. And, And they did that because they didn't want anything to be able to impede them. They didn't want even their clothes to be able to hinder them or entangle them in their race. And the reality is, We've all got sin and hindrances in our own lives that that threaten to take us out of the race. And so I want you to think about that for a moment. What are some of the things in your life that might be hindering you or entangling you in the race to become more like Jesus? I mean, some of those things could even be good things. I mean, maybe for you, it's a relationship that you put above God. A relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend that ends up superseding your relationship with your heavenly father? Or maybe for you, it's a a possession. I heard someone once say, if you own something, but if you're not willing to loan it to someone, it owns you. And that kind of stuck with me a little bit and helped me kind of reevaluate my possessions. You know, Jesus himself said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And Jesus said that because he knows that when we run our race, with our hands full, we've got our hands with full of all these things that we have and that we own, what happens is it weighs us down. It weighs us down with worry and anxiety. What does it do? It ends up hindering us in our race. Or maybe it's something that's not hindering you. Maybe it's actually a sin that's entangling you. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's pride. It's alcohol. It's gluttony. It's some kind of sin that's entangling you and tripping you up in your race. So think about that really for a moment. What are the good things that might be hindering you or or the sin that might be entangling you that is keeping you, holding you back in your race to become more like Jesus? You see, the reason God wants you to become more like Jesus is because he knows actually how you're most fulfilled. He's not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to give you something. He knows how you function and how you work the best. He wants to be able to, for you to be able to operate in the way that you are most fulfilled. And he knows as well, as you look more like Jesus, you will more powerfully fulfill his mission because you're a, more of an embodiment of what he looks like here on this earth. 
So the question becomes then, if we've got these things that are hindering us, we have sin that are entangling us, all of us do, how can we throw these things off? How can we throw these things off that are hindering us and entangling us? Well, the way that we do that is by confession, confession of our sin. And the mechanism that God has given us to throw things off that are hindering us and sin that is entangling us is confession. For Sean 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sin to God, we, we're throwing it off. That's what we're doing. We're freeing ourselves. We're freeing ourselves from those things that are hindering us and, and holding us back. But you know the problem that we have. We, we have a problem. The problem is that we tend to hold on to those things. We hold on still to those things. And we, or we let the guilt of those sins cripple us. So here's what I want to really strongly encourage you to do. I want to strongly encourage you not only to confess your sin to God, but also to confess your sin to another Christ-following friend. It's kind of like what happened in my men's group the other day. A man shared really in tears that pornography had gotten a grip on his life once again, but it was so powerful to watch as he was vulnerable to be able to confess that sin to others how the power of sin and guilt in that room just begin to disappear. Because confession takes the power out of sin. And in that moment, we were able to reassure this man of God's forgiveness. I mean, we were able to reassure him of our love for him, and we were able to encourage him, encourage him in in his commitment that he made to be able to be free. It's really kind of what exactly what the Scripture talks about in James chapter 5, where it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You see, confessing your sin is powerful in terms of helping you to be able to become more like Jesus and ridding yourself of anything that's hindering you or entangling you in your life. You know, there's an ancient story uh, of a young soldier who fled the battlefield and was caught. He, He was brought before the fearless warrior Alexander the Great. And with a huge bark in his voice, the great Alexander said, to this young man, what's your name? And and the young man uh, hung his head and quietly said, Alexander. And the great Alexander yelled back, what is it? And this uh, boy, he just kind of shamefully said, sir, it's, it's Alexander. And in that moment, Alexander the Great, he stood up and he pointed his finger at that young boy and he said, change your name or change your conduct. Change your name or change your conduct. And I say to you today, Pathway family, Jesus' call to you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus, is the same. Change your name or change your conduct. His call to us is to be able to be striving, to be conformed to the image of his likeness, to throw off those things that are hindering us and entangling us so that we can become more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what he wants. Now let's move on. Second principle that I want you to see out of the passage really uh, uh, comes next in our scripture, and it says there, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. So second, become more like Jesus by persevering through the uphill climb. You know, the reality is when you're running the race uh, of the Christ-falling life, it's not easy. There's obstacles. There's adversity. And there's going to be, obviously, a lot of things in that race that are going to try to derail us from our purpose. 
So it's going to take a lot of perseverance. It's kind of like running the Boston Marathon. There's a, a legendary obstacle in the Boston Marathon called Heartbreak Hill. Starting at mile 13, there are a number of hills that climax at mile 19 that's called Heartbreak Hill. It's the longest and the steepest hill in the race. And what makes it even more difficult is that it comes right at the end of the race. And so Heartbreak Hill, it tests even the greatest runners really to the very core of their being. And the same is true in the Christ-following race. There will be heartbreak hills. There will be difficulties. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. So know as you become more like Jesus, it doesn't mean your life is always going to be on some kind of level grade. There's going to be some heartbreak hills, things that are going to rock your world, that are going to be hard, that are going to be difficult. Interesting what the Scripture says. 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So know as you persevere through the midst of whatever difficulty you may be facing today, God's going to use it. He's going to use it to be able to mold you and to shape you to be able to look more like Jesus. You know, when I was writing the, the message this week, I, I started thinking about really my own uphill battles, my own uphill battles with uh, depression and anxiety. And, and I can remember different seasons just feeling like it was never really going to get any better. And, and I couldn't see anything good coming from these things that were going on in my life. But the longer that I've struggled and the farther down the road I've gotten, I can see how God has used this difficulty in my life to be able to change me and to continue to change me. I, I can honestly say I'm, I'm a different person. I'm a different leader because of the pain that I've been through. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm more empathetic now. I'm, I'm, God's forced me to be more humble. I'm, I, I'm more accepting of other people's counsel. And, and I think God's taught me just in a crystal clear way the necessity of other Christ-following people in my life, that I need community. Sound familiar? That we all need community? But you see, God didn't waste my pain. Because I persevered through the uphill climb, he used it. He used it to strengthen me, to shape me, to be able to make me a better leader, a better husband, a better Christ-following person, and become, ultimately, more like Jesus. So become more like Jesus by persevering through the uphill climb, all right? Well, the final principle I want you to see in this passage is really in the next verse. It says there, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So finally, become more like Jesus by focusing on him. The way we become more like Jesus and have the strength to be able to finish the race is by focusing on him. So spend time, spend time every day focusing on Jesus. And the reason that's important is because you will become whatever you focus on. So if you want to become like Jesus, you're going to need to think about it. The reality is we become whoever we spend the most time with. If we hang out with people who have no ambition, we become like a person who has no ambition. If we hang out with people who are critical, what do we do? We become critical. 
Whoever we spend the most time with is who we're going to become like. It's kind of like the old saying goes, you can't soar with the eagles if you're running with the turkeys. So the key then is spend time every day focusing on Jesus. In the old school, we call this having a daily quiet time. That's how we talk about it. Take some time every day to spend with Jesus, spend time in prayer, spend time in Bible study, every day focusing on him. And that's why we have the daily devotionals here at Pathway. We want to give you an easy structure every day to be able to spend time with Jesus because we all need it. So spend time every day with Jesus so you'll become more like him and have the strength to follow him. You know, I love the story about Rick Hoyt. Uh, Rick Hoyt is an Ironman triathloner. And what's so incredible about Rick is that he's totally disabled. And the only way Rick is able to finish a race is because his father, Dick Hoyt. You see, Dick swims two miles in the open sea, pulling his disabled son, Rick, behind him in a boat. Then Dick takes Rick out of the boat. He carries him to a bike and pedals him for 100 miles with Rick on the front. And then it's Rick, or it's Dick, who takes Rick off the bike, puts him in a special made cart, and pushes him for 26 miles until he finishes the race. You see, here's the deal. We're all like Rick Hoyt. All of us. None of us can run the race on our own. We are completely incapable of finishing this race that we're in on our own power. No matter how uh, uh, determined we are, it doesn't matter how committed we are, we, we can't do it. The secret to finishing this race and becoming more like Jesus, it's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of trusting. It's a matter of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I have to tell you, the most life-giving part for me really of this whole series personally has been as I've lived out those I will statements. I'm telling you, every week it's just so energizing for my soul as just in a very concrete way to take steps of action. And it was interesting the other day, I had a conversation with a, a lady in our church family by the name of Anita Bookout. And Anita is a social worker at Via Christi St. Francis. And Anita told me that the most underappreciated people at the hospital that have been working throughout this pandemic have actually been the housekeeping staff. They are the people in the hospital that nobody sees, that nobody appreciates, that, that really, for all practical purposes, have been invisible. Have you ever felt that, God? felt like you were invisible, like no one sees you, no one notices, wondering if what you do really makes a difference? Well, that's the way that many of these people feel. So Anita had the idea of providing lunch and honoring this team of people. And I said, boy, I'd love, I'd love to help organize something for a group of people like that. Well, she said, we're probably going to have to get permission from somebody at the hospital. But she said, the good news is my sister's the COO. <laughs> so Anita, she made a quick phone call to her sister. She got permission to be able to have this party. And so Anita, myself, my wife, Chris, and Anita's friend, Diane, decorated their break room, and we provided lunch for the 106 housekeeping staff who work at Via Christi St. Francis. It was awesome. It was awesome. 
It was awesome. And I told them before that lunch that we were from Pathway Church and that we see them and that we see all of their hard work. We see their sacrifices and we appreciate them. And man, and they just clapped and they were so thankful that we were there. And even some of them said that this was the only meal they were going to eat that day. And as I drove away that afternoon, man, it just gave me so much joy and so much deep satisfaction. Helping this unseen group of people know they're seen. Know that they are appreciated. And that God sees them. And that he loves them. I mean, it was awesome. It was exactly kind of like one of the men on our elder team described it to me the other day. It was kind of crazy. He said, living this kind of life is like riding a Harley David, David Davidson motorcycle at 100 miles an hour naked. <laughs> now, I'm not sure how he knew what that felt like. <laughs> but it sounded to me dangerously exciting. You see, as we live out God's purpose in our lives, it's dangerously exciting. It's what our souls long for. It's what we're created for. And so as we close, I, I, I want us to sprint forward, Pathway family. I want us to sprint forward to chase our purpose, to chase our God-given purpose and embrace this dangerously exciting life that he has for us. And so here in a few moments, your campus pastor is going to come and lead you through a prayer commitment that we're all going to do together. Then after that uh, prayer, uh, we're going to sing a closing song, just celebrating all that God has done as we've taken some baby steps and some fresh ways to be able to live out his purpose in our lives. And so let's pray together right now, and then your campus pastor is going to come. Well, Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for the glorious, glorious purpose for which you have created us, God. And thank you, God, so much for how that we can see it laid out so clearly in your word. God, I thank you so much for in some fresh ways how we've been able to step in and live out our purpose in some fresh ways over these last four weeks. And God, we want to continue to do that. We want to continue not just to know something about your word and about your will, but we want to do it. We want to live the dangerously exciting life that you have for us. God, we love you. We bless you. And we pray all these things right now in Jesus' name. Amen.